Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode number 88, as in like 88 miles an hour. We're going to go back in time. I didn't get the reference, Jelly. We're going to go back in time. Damn. I, for some reason, I thought 88 was going to end up being something to do with surfing, which I also know nothing about. I was about to say this gnarly. Is back to the future. I know. I got it now. Yeah. <laughs> jeez, jeez, jeez. Ben, Ben, I, I, I think I caught something from you between now and like the last episode. What, like a disease? Yeah. Because didn't you have like something go wrong with your computer a couple of weeks ago? Oh, that kind of disease, like a virus. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had something happen to me like this week. It was, oh, I yeah. blame you. because That's fair. I don't think my computer was broken a couple of weeks ago. It was quite a while ago. I, I, I remember it was at least a couple, like it was at least maybe two, three weeks ago. It did. I completely forgot. Yeah, ah. yeah. <laughs> I had to go to the Apple store and like actually leave it for repairs. So, yep. Jeez. So it was like a hardware problem? Yeah. My keyboard and mouse stopped working. Oh. It actually brought popped up the window that says like, you have no keyboard attached. And I was like, you're a laptop. Stupid thing. That's weird. Mm. They fixed it though. So I want to ask you a question about this. Cool. As a user of other people's software and I guess hardware in this case, how do you prepare for failure? Wait, as a user? As a user of this stuff. Like, I mean, I have a little box on the wall behind some glass. It's like a hammer. <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid because first I have to break the glass with my fist to get the hammer. And then I use that hammer to smash my computer. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> doesn't that make things worse? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I buy a new one. That's the Apple way. That's the Apple like, way. As soon as it goes wrong, you just go like, oh, in the trash. and buy a new laptop. Right. Disposable. Yeah. Nice. Not really. I don't actually know how I prepare for failure. Well, I mean, you you dropped it off at the Apple store. Did mm. they wipe your system at all? Like, did they clear off all the, your nah. data and stuff? No. Nah. What, what if that, like, what, what if something went wrong with your software? How do you prepare uh, for that? Okay, yep. So I got Time Capsule. Yeah. Which I don't really use that much, to be honest. Yeah, um, neither do I. Until I've, yesterday. <laughs> I've got, uh, well, so my computer failed properly last year, like, irrecoverably. So yep. I did have to buy a new one. Jesus, you do, you do have a disease. I know. Stay That's away. what I said. So the one that broke a few weeks ago was only eight months old. So luckily in warranty. Yeah. But I had like, you know, I got that one because the last one broke. Jeez. But anyway, they don't make them like they used to back in my day. Uh, anyway, I have time capsule, which did come in handy. I always thought it wouldn't, but it's it's handy to like get things quickly. Yep. Uh, I have Dropbox and I have Git. And that's pretty much it. So I, I have a time capsule as well. And it's the router one. I mean, that is the time capsule, but yep. you know what I mean. Which is less uh, after after my my issue this week. It's le- I, I'm looking at it as less reliable than I would like to like it to be. I also have online backup. Do you have online backup? Not really. Not really. Not not no. like a proper image of my computer. So I use um, Backblaze. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not an advertisement for them, but they, I do ha- I do have Backblaze, and uh, they did save my butt. So that was good. Did you request the hard drive to be sent to you? No, I just grabbed a few files and downloaded them here and there, like a couple of the projects that I was working on just to make sure that I had everything. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of did save my butt because I'd forgotten to check a couple of things into Git. Because the issue that I had this week, so yours was a hardware issue. Mine was a software issue. Mm. And part of the reason I want to talk about this is because it was like release software. It wasn't beta software. I don't install beta software on my laptop because work. And what happened was... Everything was fine and the install went okay and then it restarted as you know as they do. Yeah, yeah. Gonna restart your computer in fifty seven, fifty six, fifty five. Um and it rebooted and came back and there was some sort of problem between the disk and like the software layer 
where mm-hmm. everything just took a really long time for it to like to figure it out. So Finder would like if you opened a document a directory oh. in Finder, it took a really long time. Did and you this try caused... the uh, file system checker thingy, Madubi? Yeah, everything was fine. Oh, obviously not. I ended up having to reformat my system because I couldn't I couldn't open anything like apps everything on my system apps yeah. would be like damaged or incomplete and like nothing I couldn't even open like I terminal I had to reformat a computer since like the windows days when you had to reformat every, basically every year because your computer got so slow yeah yeah so not really a thing yeah so I mean the way that I had to recover from that was I had to yeah format and reinstall and um that was after so I mean it took me all day oh it took me all day and I was talking to uh apple support over twitter they actually reply like they actually replied dm'd like so oh. it was you know pro- semi-private whatever but yeah they were they were replying they basically went you yeah, know that's that's really bad how about you format it and reinstall like, wow okay. it's quite technical yeah well i mean i mean that's the sort of like if this, this this is a thing right like users hit these sort of issues every now and then and it was kind of lucky that i'm actually somebody who understood what was going on and could fix it i always figured the twitter account just said have you made a genius bar appointment yeah so they didn't they they actually suggested i don't make a genius bar appointment because they said we'd rather you take care of this at home (laughs) 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 because if you take it to the genius bar they're going to take away your computer and you probably won't get it back until for a couple of days yeah that's what happened to me yeah um and that's the only thing that a user like a regular person could do i don't think a regular person could do a proper format and reinstall and so this is the sort of thing, and this is part of the reason I wanted to talk about this, because there's two sides of this for us as users, because we have to use software and hardware to do our work. We have to deal with, you know, things potentially going wrong. And, but as developers, we have to deal with the concept that sometimes the stuff that we make is going to go wrong. Not just sometimes, man. My stuff always goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be a developer. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> wow. Uh, I No, my stuff goes wrong all the time too. And I'm always dealing with like issues that, you know, cause people massive amounts of pain, especially with gift wrapped. Mm. Gift wrapped is the big one because everybody, like there's a whole bunch of people that are not kind of compu- what you would consider computer savvy using Gift Yeah. So you keep backups. Do you have any other kind of contingencies in place in case things go wrong? Nope. Really? <laughs> like, wow, you just like live by the seat of your pants. Yeah. What else would I need? Because like I, I keep contingencies. Like I don't just keep, like I've got my backups. So that's you know, all well and good. But I also keep, I also keep like my data in Dropbox. And in yeah, I got Git Dropbox. And like, yeah, so I, got I don't those. keep anything in places that it wouldn't. So you do, you do have that sort of stuff. I thought you already, I said that at the start. I figured you meant apart from Dropbox and Git. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, I have Dropbox and Git. That's my contingency. Everything right. important that I work on is obviously in Git. Yep. And then any of my files that I consider particularly important, mainly photos. I think they're probably the most important thing. I don't think I have too many documents that I could like, you know, the world would be over if I lost them. But anything like that is in Dropbox. Yeah. Okay. So with Git, like, what's your plan there? Because Git is the sort of thing where it doesn't just automatically happen for you. Like, like Dropbox, you put it in a folder, mm-hmm. and the folder just kind of sinks, and you kind of kind of forget about it because location, location, location. Yep. But Git is the sort of thing where you have to like make an actual. Yeah. No, I'm so I make repos for almost everything I work on, even like the smallest little idea. Make yep. a new repo, 
Um, sometimes I don't take the step of actually pushing it to a server, but like the first thing I do is like copy in the git ignore and do like git add initial commit to just have it. Hmm. And so if it's just like my own little side project thingy, yeah, I just like make commits into master and I'm not too bothered with the commit messages. But for proper work, you know, we have a full on system set up with branches and pull requests and all that fancy stuff, CI. And so how do you manage like actually doing um, commits and and pushes? Like how do you manage making sure that you actually do those as opposed to like forgetting or whatever? Yeah, I think I just do it. Like I've just done it <laughs> so much that it is now habit. Yeah. Like I have this other habit I find myself doing, hitting control S like every two seconds. Yeah, I learned that one a long time ago too. It's funny because in some things you don't actually want to hit control S and yet I find myself hitting control S and going, ah, no. That that also command S. I like I, I learned control S because I was doing, I would, I, when I used to do like animation stuff in Flash. Yeah. And Flash would crash all Flash the, was the biggest one for time. it. And it was like you had uh, one hand on the mouse and one hand on <laughs> control S and you just kind of like click control S, click yeah, control yeah. S. So you do things and you'd be saving. And I, so now I do that with a lot of things. Like you will, mm. you will find me if I'm doing illustration work in say Photoshop or whatever. Um, I've got my finger on control S and it's just like, bam, done, done, done some lines, bam, done some yep. lines, bam. Just Still the same. Doing the same thing over and over again. And it used to get me all the time when I would work in web stuff because I'd be working like directly off some server and I'd gotten to the point where my habit was so like I would hit control S so often, like I'd actually hit it multiple times uh, one after the other yeah. at, at certain ca- cases, especially if I was listening to music, like I'd be sitting there doing it along to the music, not even like thinking about it. It's just <laughs> that's like, a, that's just another the, level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And so because it's, you know, this co- content's on another server, so the thing would freeze up. Because it's got to like transfer it over a network, and um, you know that takes a second or so. And yeah, it was um, wasn't ideal. So we at work have quite a lot of our stuff built off Git. Hmm. Well, not off Git, but you know it hooks into Git. So you would work out pretty quick if you didn't push. Because for instance, at the end of the day, everyone gets a message telling them what they did that day. So yep. the it's basically like time tracking. So it's like really rough estimate based on what you push to. So it just divides the day by the repos you push to. And that's like our rough estimate time tracker. Um, and then you can reply to that message if it's wrong. So you can say like, oh, actually, I worked on that project for like literally one second. The rest of the day was on the other one or whatever. Yeah. Um, so if you didn't push, you wouldn't get the message at the end of the day. And you everyone else would get their messages and you'd be like, oops. So that would be. Didn't push. Yeah, because I mean, there's, there, I mean, there is something to be said for remembering to do it and just, you know, just doing it. Yeah, I think there's something to like. There's something in having that kind of level of, uh, not shame, but like definitely like some sort of like like a reminder of sorts. Yeah, at my last job, we used to have a big thing on the front door that said, "Have you pushed your work?" All right, because there would be certain people who always forgot to push. Yeah, the problem with the problem with signs and the problem with like sticky notes and stuff like that, where you like you put it up and you're like. I'm going to see this every day and it's going to remind me to check my stuff. You get used to it being there and eventually it just becomes part of the background noise. But hopefully you get used to actually pushing as well. That's possibly true, yeah. That's the hope. I can't tell if it worked or not. Well, it seems to have worked for you. Yeah, that's true. I definitely I definitely have trouble remembering. Um, I think it's because you you're like working by yourself at home, so really yeah. there's no penalty. Whereas yeah. with us, we work in a team, so if you haven't pushed and like someone else pushes or something, it's like going to be worse for you in the future because you've probably just got yourself into a harder merge or I don't know. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's and that's very true. The penalty for me is that when situations like what happened this week where like basically I have to reformat my computer and maybe I can get access to the files but probably not. Mm. You know, if I haven't committed everything and pushed it, then I'm going to end up with like problems and I mean there is very possibly things that I that I committed and hadn't pushed to a server and for all I know they're gone. Like I, I won't yeah, know just, until I you know manage to go back. Just got to get in that habit. Like the last thing I do is make sure everything's pushed, and I push throughout the day as well. Like I'm just, just a pusher, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a pusher. Yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the thing about time machine, right? And and I guess the time capsule is that because for for me because it's on a network, I it takes so long to like bring back data from that. So last night yeah, takes, when I started doing it, it was going to take like two days. I know. Like two days. It's ridiculous. I think that's that file system thing. I don't know. I understand much about the file system problem. I just know that that's one of them. <laughs> like say you have Xcode on your computer yep. and you want to give it to your friend. Yep. It takes longer to copy Xcode across the network. And the network is not the limiting factor. So like imagine you had infinitely fast Ethernet. Yeah. Copying that Xcode bundle is going to be slower than downloading Xcode. Well, that makes sense, actually, because so many little files. Because, and I, I mean, the 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 perfect example of this is like copying Xcode out of the um the DMG that used to come in. Yeah, doesn't come in anymore, really, but um, or at least not the beta hasn't been has been coming like at a zip. That yeah, a, XI, zip with an X. XIP. Yeah, and it also seems to fail to verify. Do you, you have that problem? I haven't had that problem. Gets to the last step and fails. Just sits there forever. So I haven't had that problem and I've downloaded the third beta twice. <laughs> so it definitely verifies. <laughs> so it definitely verifies for me. Uh, no, but I've, you know, copying that, copying Xcode across from the DMG always has, has always taken like forever. And even opening that thing is, it takes forever because I guess it's got to do, you know, I guess it's got to also decompress. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense that, you know, copying takes a long time. So as a developer then, Right. What are the sort of things that you do in when you're creating your software? How would you help your users mitigate failure when it happens? Oh your app? man! All right. So I've mentioned this opinion before. Yep. And I'm sticking to it. Yep. Because I still believe the populace is on my side. Yep. Leave asserts on. So crash. Use an assert when it should be impossible, so that when it does hit that impossible case, the app crashes there before it goes on. And like corrupt something else because you're you're in who knows what state at that point. Mm. If you've used an assert in what you consider an impossible case, yep. and it's happened, yep. it means something is very wrong. And so you should just get out of there. You should just stop. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So yep, that's one I use. Okay. Leave asserts on. What else do I do? So one of the things that I do is that I and I mean Gifrep doesn't have this at this per, at this point, mostly because so much has happened uh, with Gifrep over the past probably 18 months but in some of my previous apps and stuff like that i've made it i've made a way for the user to basically tap a button and email themselves all of their data cool yeah yep um so in so the you case you can like back up the bundle basically yeah we'll just back up at least the stuff that you have in it and yeah. i obviously made a way to bring that data back in because i mean that's kind of the other side of the coin um, in the case of one of my apps, uh, which was, was used to run on core data, it was basically like all the data was in yeah. well, a core data database. And so it just basically gave you a copy of that. Yeah, and in fact, enough. I went an extra step at one point with uh, with that particular app in that rather than having it so that it backed up 
um, so that you could like tap a button and get the copy just in case the copy had already been like messed up. It would copy out, a, it would save out a copy of like the last, so essentially, you know, like a, atomic type like mm-hmm. rewrites and stuff like that. So it would actually like duplicate the, the database before it wrote anything to disk. Um, and that duplication would be like done in the backup location, this auto backup location. Yeah, that's very conservative. Yeah, and uh, and that made sure that that was just basically so that you know if anything went wrong, these people could get their data back because it was, I mean, it's effectively a proprietary format, and it's mm. not like you know what happens if I am you know whatever. Anyway, that's that's the story. So that's I mean that's how I've like that's one way that I've done it in the past is just basically do that, and I've definitely thought about doing that lately with gift wrapped. Mm. Yeah, I like it. I don't think I've ever heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of why you wouldn't do it, though. And except for, like, that it would take longer. I can't see why why it would be a bad idea. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... Like, why it's, doesn't people... Why don't people do it? I don't know. But it's the sort of thing where it's not like... Like, I was basically... Uh, this app, like, you basically wrote something and then you'd save it. And then that might be... You might do that, like, once once every now and then. Because the whole point was to read those back later. Um, and that was kind of the key purpose of the app. So because writing happened so very infrequently, basically after a write had completed, I could go, yep, okay, well, I'm just going to duplicate this database right now. Yeah. And it wouldn't take that much longer. Um, And in fact, you could kind of do it on a separate thread or whatever and kind of get past it that way. And yeah, that that was my method of dealing with that. And I've definitely like, you know, I've run into with doing some software stuff, like I guess for lots of users, Mm. I've run into like all sorts of little weird edge cases and, and always like trying to figure out how to make these things easier to like to mitigate disaster when it happens. Cause I mean, I can't foresee everything. No. Well, that's kind of the point. Code defensively. And I mean, do. yeah. You, and there's, and like you, like you were saying, like leaving asserts on and trying to make sure that your code doesn't get into situations where that might be a problem. Yeah. Um, that's one step. And I guess the next step is to just forward think about like how you can make sure that that doesn't happen. Like if that does happen, yeah. if the if wor- worst comes to worse, and you your users have a lot of data in their app, like how are they going to get it back? Like how how are they going to get their stuff out? Because it's basically otherwise it's basically a lockbox, and mm. that might be good, but it's also kind of bad. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should probably think more about that. <laughs> I mean, there's always iCloud backup, right? Everyone does that. Well, so there, there, <laughs> that is actually a legitimate, legitimate thing, right? Like, because there are document folders, like the documents folder yeah. for your app, uh, which are backed up and they're, mm-hmm. used, they're kept as part of the backup for your, for your app. And that works. That yep. works fine. It's just a matter of like, yeah, you gotta figure, you got to figure it out. Figure out what kind of works for you and make the best decisions that you can. And if you feel like there is possibly going to be some problems, maybe try and make a way to recover from that. Yeah, I guess. Don't just throw away those errors. Oh no, log log them, log everything. But even then, logs, log, logs. Do something with them, <laughs> like just swallowing it with a log. It's not really much help when that user's out there somewhere. You can't see that log. Yeah, but I mean, like if you log it to a service or something. Oh yeah, yeah. You so you can see them. Um, as an example, for instance, Fabric, uh, and I've only really started using these just like recently, but this is something that actually does has existed for a while. Um, Fabric and Crashlytics, which I use for you mm. know, crash crash reports and stuff, you can log just NS errors, like regular old NS yeah. errors, 
and you get like a stack trace and stuff for like leading up and you can um you can log like additional data and stuff to go with that that's cool that actually helped me the other day like try and figure out a bug that it's just been like so intermittent like i was hitting this bug every now and then but it was always when i was away from my desk yeah and i couldn't figure it out and uh that helped me kind of track it down that was that so that was kind of useful so being able to get those ns errors out is is very useful and that's kind of a way of helping you find those issue points so moving on Mm-hmm. because that wasn't actually my topic for today, kind of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually had some follow-up, which I'm going to go into now that we're like halfway through. So we got an email this week from um, from Daniel Rinser. Hello, Daniel. And uh, he wanted to ask about Messages apps because... Ah, uh, yes. So he um, emailed to say that he feels like he's got a pretty good technical handle on things. He's, you know, good... But now that he's been playing with them for a while, he's not sure about the best way to monetize the you know the apps that he's making. Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a lot as well. Yeah, I guess I'll just tell you how I was planning to do my little sports game. Yep, I announced that one right last week. So you did you announced it, but you didn't actually announce what it is. Okay, you said you were working on an app, but weren't going to tell us. Okay, well I'm still not telling you, <laughs> <laughs> but basically I'm going to tell you. <laughs> um, it's going to be like a game of sports, sports game, <laughs> where you can play you can play multiple different sports turn by turn. Yep. So like you play your turn, send the turn, they play, reply, so on and so forth. Hilarity ensues, right? Right. So I was wondering the same problem, like monetizing these is going to be hard because basically I don't think paid is going to cut it. Like these messages apps are really small and I don't know, just something in my head goes... People are just going to want free ones because it seems so small. It's just inside messages. Maybe you can do like, if you've got another app and you've got a message extension, that's a whole nother, yeah, a whole nother kettle of fish. But so I thought, okay, it's got to be free. So I got an in-app purchase somehow. So my idea was, because I have multiple sports, you get one sport for free. No worries. Yep. The other sports, you pay for the right to start a game. So we could both have my app. Yep. I pay for it. I can start any sport and you can reply to any sport, but you can't initiate a game unless you've paid. Uh, okay, that makes because sense. Because you don't want the awkward situation. And I'm not even sure this would work. So like, say I paid, sent you a request to play basketball with me. Yep. And basketball is one of the paid ones. Like, what do you do there? If you haven't paid, do you pop up a thing saying, Ben wants to play basketball with you, but you haven't paid. So tough luck, buddy. Right. So, yeah, that was my idea. That's how I think I was going to solve it. Well, that's actually in- interesting because that's kind of what he wrote. Yeah, I swear I didn't steal that idea from you, Daniel. Um, because that is a, that is pretty much what he wrote. Um, he suggested that, like, a, an idea where it's freemium, where it's free to participate, but paid to be able to initiate. Yeah. Although the feeling that I got from his, um, from what he wrote was that you have to, pay to initiate anything at all yeah i like your idea in that situation better because i think you need one free one the one free one makes sense you gotta sucker people in and like it's it's almost like having a trial these days yeah a demo version i mean it's also it's also this kind of thing where if you had to pay to initiate any sort of messages within your app i mean first of all can is that something that you don't you can do like is that no idea but the other thing is is that um like i don't know that that would make it past got like the the review team i mean it holds up against the guidelines i did look i was like mm, no these things might be okay i uh, but 
the concept of like of ba- basically like if I don't pay for it, I can't initiate anything. For starters, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't get past review. But also, it kind of works against your app. I feel. Yeah. Like if you don't, if if a person downloads your app but they don't know anybody, like they're effect- effectively that's effectively a paid app because in order to be able to do anything, is it might even actually be worse because they might download it and they'll look at it and they'll be like, nah. Because I also think like day one message apps come out. You're just going to open the store and download a few that look cool, right? Right. And you're going to have like five seconds there of attention span. If you don't capture them in that, it's game over. They're never going to look again. Yeah. That's my feeling anyway. So what about some other kind of monetization strategies? Because obviously that's not like they, that That can't be the only one, right? No. I'm sure there are going to be many. I mean, so, okay, straight up, you can just do paid. I don't think you're going to get as much of a gold rush on day one if that's what you're after. Yeah. You could be completely free and put ads in it. I haven't seen anything to say you can't put ads in your iMessage app. I mean, message app. Subscription? I doubt you get away. I doubt yeah. you could convince many. Yeah. I guess it depends on what your message app is. It depends, I think. I'm trying to think like, of like an, an example for where a subscription thing would be useful. Well, maybe it's like sticker of the day. I wouldn't pay for that. But if it was ongoing content every day, you sign up, pay your 99 cents a year. Yep. And that would make sense. Like if it was ongoing content. So let's say that you have a game mm. and your game is quiz questions. So it's like a quiz game. And those questions, you know, like a lot of people would be like, yeah, I'll just make an app and it'll just have like 10 questions. And that's my quiz app. And here's the questions. And do yeah. you eat bananas? I once wrote a quiz thing and the example, like a quiz plugin for a CMS. And the example mm-hmm. one was all questions about giraffes. So that would be a great quiz app. That's my thinking. But uh, you know, back on track. You know, the the idea of this quiz app might be that you like you update the questions all the time and there might be movie questions or something, and so you just like constantly feeding those in. Like the didn't you have an app idea where you were gonna have like a, some sort of quiz thing going on and you were gonna provide content later? Additional content later? Yeah. It was a while ago. I've had so many <laughs> ideas that I started, <laughs> never finished. But yes, that rings a bell. Yeah. I remember, I don't remember what the what the questions were. I was about flying. Yep, that one. So this I've attempted a quiz app multiple times and I can never yeah. quite nail the it always looks better in my head and then when you get it on the device it's like yeah, it's boring. Um yeah, but the flying one was gonna be you get some questions for free and then there'll be you can subscribe and there'll be ongoing updating questions. Yeah, I mean that's the yeah. sort of situation. I mean obviously the the mechanism is different because the idea is here you would be kind of I guess competing. For like mm. who gets the answer first, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't even work. know how that would work. I think that's possible yeah. from what I've read. Um, but but that, anyway. It makes sense. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think there are f- a few ways that you can monetize apps in messages. It's definitely like, going to be interesting. It's going to, I, I think it's one of those things where it's going to be like, we won't see what works until we see what works. Yeah. And I just think one of them is just going to go so big. And I really hope it's just some like, indie person at home like some indie developer has made this tiny app and it yep. just goes massive that would be nice. i love it when that happens yeah, like i love seeing good. the little indie i don't know like flappy bird flappy bird um yeah. train yard is the other one that comes to my mind yeah. you yeah. know it happens like every now and then an indie goes massive goes massive and, and it just crap. feels so good because yeah and you also look at like all the big names are in there, probably spent millions of dollars. Here's this little app someone's worked on in their spare time after hours. Yeah. I hope that happens. 
I hope it happens too. I hope it happens to you. I hope it. I hope the sports game takes off. I am never gonna finish my app. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never do. Oh, I know. I know. Finishing an app is so hard. It's so boring towards the end. That polishy phase is just the worst. Like, it's so much fun <laughs> working on a new idea, and it's like there's so much progress at first, right? Like those yeah. first, that first eighty percent rushes by, and then that twenty percent at the end. It's brutal. So the topic that I have for today. Oh wait, so we still haven't had the topic. We haven't had the topic. Okay, okay. It's going to be short at this point. It's just you know, it's going to, it's got to be short, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because I haven't had a lot of time. Because I, lo- if you didn't know already, I lost all my data in a computer incident that I had. So I'm no way know, had to like you know recapture everything. Oh god, it's crazy. So my topic for today was going to be talking about SiriKit integration. And mm-hmm. I, I do still plan on probably talking about that at some point, unless you beat it to me on the next episode. Be- beat it to me, beat me to it. Beat it into you? Yeah, beat, well, both, both <laughs> potentially. You know, not, not only did I not have the time because of computer problems, but I also um, had, uh, there, was, there, was no doc- there was no documentation for like half of the stuff for SiriKit. So I'm, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I wish it was April 1st. We could have done a SiriKit episode <laughs> and just had an hour of silence. Just, a si- just silence. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I went and looked at like a handful of classes because I was looking at, like I was looking at the photo search stuff, right? Which is one of the, one of the things that mm-hmm. you can do. And all of the classes, all of them, just and all of the protocols and stuff that you need to implement, just nothing, just, just blank. Oh. Yep. Did you find out? I have a Siri question. Do you want me to just ask it and see if you know? Sure. So, you know, my the one app I have actually got on the store, and you know, it's up there, Yeah, is my phone book for pilots. Yep. So you can call an airport nearby. It's just yep. a list of airports. Yep. Can I use SiriKit to call an airport? Because I think that's a bit backwards to the yeah, examples th- they're using. I feel using. like the examples that they're using is not like a phone book type thing or a I know, contact type it's thing. Like it's a call jelly on WhatsApp or yes, something. Which is, I think. So the, I'm the hoping to say call Canberra on AWIS phone book. You could probably forward it on. Right? Like I don't it know might how that be possible. Work. And it, probably no one will ever use it, but I'm just curious. Like, yeah. So I, I think we'll get more into that when I actually do okay. attack SiriKit or potentially you attack SiriKit before me or mm. who knows. Who knows? Um, but I do plan on on talking a bit, a bit about that because I was going to do some photo stuff with GIFRAPT and see if I could uh, talk about that. But now I guess I can go and work on my messages app, which is far more useful. Mm-hmm. And instead, I'm going to talk about the thing that I actually did get done this week, which was migrating my code base to iOS 10. Ah, yes. I've done this on a side project just to see. Yeah. So the timing for me um, for doing my migration stuff was right around beta two. So mm-hmm. I've been doing like I've actually been sitting on this for like you know two weeks now, and obviously a handful of things have changed for iOS. You know, for the third beta now. So, uh, but I I still feel like overall there's a lot that you can learn about not just migrating to iOS ten, but like migrating from current you know release state to beta version of yeah. language and stuff from just from this kind of especially this one because there are so many changes that are in like involved in doing a migration here in relation to what we were talking about before uh i would really suggest that you make good use of git branches yes i would even go uh especially due to some of the stuff that i ran into um some of the signing stuff so this is not the case anymore but with beta 2 and i guess beta 1 everything that could be signed had to be signed. Yeah. And so you had to set up everything for signing. 
Uh, and if you had dependencies that had to be signed, like for instance, you know, CocoaPods, yep, they had to be set up for signing. Except CocoaPods are not read write, right? Yeah, like, you can't like save that anywhere. So I had like all of these changes that I just, well, I mean, I didn't want to commit them because I knew that they were gonna. Yep. eventually hopefully be fixed and they did but also like so my my repository was a mess like over the course of the couple of weeks there while i was you know dealing with beta 2 and waiting for beta 3 to come i really do suggest use a ba- use branches i actually almost suggest that you like clone a new whole copy of your repository if if, if that yeah you could works for you just so that you can have like a clean one just especially if you you're could. working on stuff production wise as well as you make a fork fork the project yeah, check that out. Then you can pull requests back in. Yep. You know, use Git power to your advantage. Mm. Yeah, I think that's kind of useful because yeah, betas are a mess, and uh, especially this one was a mess with all the signing stuff, and not yeah. only that, but all the language stuff. And it was so the thing I found as well about si- I think it was signing. So the migrator doesn't work unless the project kind of builds, <laughs> which seems impossible because yeah. it can't build because you haven't migrated it. So there was yep. something I had to do first in order so it can only migrate if all the things that are build errors are migratable or something like that. So if it's not signing right, the migrator fails. So you've right. got to set up your project so that the only build errors remaining are the ones that are due to migration needed. And then the migrator will work. Because at first I was like, this Swift 3 migrator is useless. It didn't find anything. Like literally it found nothing. Yeah, so I... I think I, I mean, I migrated from a currently fine like version. So it was like for, I branched off yeah. from the master. Yeah, and mine, it was the mine current was state and it was building in uh, Xcode 7.3.1. And then I opened it up and did the migration. And it just worked. I mean, so I, they might have I fixed did it like it. five times because I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, is this right? Wait. And then I had, I got confused. Is this, am I using Swift 2.3 or am I using Swift 2.3? Two, yeah, you would have been two point two. I was, I was very confused. Um, because I, because if you migrate, if you've got Swift code, I mean, if, I kind of regret migrating any of my code to Swift. Uh, you know, prior to prior to three, I guess now. Mm. But if you use any Swift code in your project, um, as soon as you open up Xcode eight, it's going to be like, oh, you you want to use X, uh, yeah. Swift three, and so it'll just be errors all over the place. And then if, if you want to use Swift 2.3, you've again got to mig- migrate everything of note. I you know I have dependencies and some of those dependencies are Swift. Yep. And which means they need... Which means they also need migrating. So, I mean, I, I used... Uh, I, I, ch- I decided to go with 2.3 because it's syntactically roughly the same. Yeah, I think it's almost identical. Well, it was pretty much what only... What changed? The, I, I think some of the Objective-C stuff has actually changed. Okay. Some Objective-C stuff have got nullability specifiers now. Yeah, right. And so, like, for as an example, all the URL stuff, NSURL, things like um, uh, URL by adding p- a pending path component, yep. uh, it actually returns a, a nullable URL. Oh, because, so it's optional now. Yeah, well, I mean, it was always optional. It's just that nobody ever used it as optional because... I, because you assumed that it, I, I have actually run into errors where that's where I've expected yeah. it to come back as not a not nil, and it came back nil. Okay, so normally it's the other way around. Normally they've they like take away optionality. Yeah. So in this case they've added it, which is good if it could. Well, come pre- back previously, nil. previously it was just that it wasn't specified at all. Yes. And so when they're not specified, they basically come back as if they're always, always, always with a value. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. 
And so that's pretty much all the things that I ended up having to change in my migration for, from 2.2 to 2.3. And it was literally like five things. Okay. So I took a project to three just to have a look. Yeah. When you do it, get ready to add a lot of underscores really? and remove a lot of words. Oh, well, so you yeah, basically re- replace words. a lot of words with yeah. underscores. Yeah. So why? I'm here. I'm hearing you go. Oh, now I'm starting to understand <laughs> why, why. would you do that? Uh, yes. Okay. So Swift 3 requires a parameter name yes. on the first parameter. Yeah. And pretty much all of Objective-C doesn't have one. Some of it does, but most of it doesn't. So for all those methods, like all those delegate methods and stuff, like in your table view controller or whatever, yep. you got to put an underscore after the open bracket in the function oh, declaration. Really? Yep. Oh, jeez. Luckily, when the migrator actually works, it does it for you. Oh, good. But in my case, it didn't work. So I was sitting there going, underscore, 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 underscore. Have, do, you, do you do the thing uh, that I do where if I, even if I'm copying like a single character like that, like it's underscore, and I'm doing mm. it a lot, I'll actually copy it to the clipboard and paste it in because that key is easier to yep. use than using like yeah, definitely. command. Especially if it requires like a, it's a two-handed key. <laughs> like some keys require two hands. Yeah. If you've got a shift and like something far away, that's yep. a left and right hand. So if I can like mouse and paste, mouse, paste, mouse, paste. I think it's when I'm doing like, you know, like like the curly braces at the yeah. end of like JSON strings. And I'm like, you know, going through a list of doing and doing them all because they're all in different kind of spots. Yep. That's yeah, I would do I, it too. I copy it to the clipboard and paste. So the other thing about Funny. migrating to Swift 3 is... As we've previously said, you have to remove a lot of words. Yep. And when we did the Swift 3 episode, some of them like seemed so foreign. Fear not. They look really good when you when you get up to that it. Makes like, sense. When, when you're writing your own, like renaming your own function names or you're just using the ones that are provided, hmm. it was so much better. Like who, I never knew. Like I thought it was weird when we talked about it. And now that I've done it, I'm like, I get it. I see why they did it. I like it. I still worry that the about the difference between the uh, the verb and the past verb. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to get it wrong at first. So I that still worries me. Um, but you know, I'm I'm I'll, I'm not there yet. Yeah, and I probably won't be there for a while. So. And first parameter names, oh, good. I like it. It just flows much nicer. And yeah. when you're writing your own APIs, you find yourself. I adjusted instantly for whatever reason. You find yourself going. Oh, this is so much nicer just to write like one sense. or two words and then start your function yeah, and then have a parameter name rather than going like page view controller will page two view controller. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Open. It may totally make sense. And I, I totally get it. One of the things about like migrating your code, there's reasons why they've made 2.3 available as well as three. Yeah, it's, had, a, it's like, a big change. It's a huge change. And, and on a real project, it's going to take real effort. Yeah. To... And especially at the moment when we don't have um, ABR compatibility. Mm. So you have to migrate everything, basically, is what that means. Yeah, everything has to be migrated. You can't leave any stone unturned. And... Um, one of the th- that 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 becomes a massive problem if you've got a project like that's relatively big. Like I mean, GifRapt isn't even that big, and uh, to be fair, all, most of my uh, most of my dependencies are Objective C, or I write them myself. Um, and so I've got like two Swift dependencies. One of them is mine, and one of them is a third party thing. Um, I did have to migrate both of them. 
Although I think one, I think one of them was totally fine. Mm. Um, it just had to be kind of marked as this has been migrated. Yeah. Um, because it's just you, a build setting or something, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's a couple of build settings. You can't like, I, there's, there's like a couple of different things. And if you, I, I, I experimented with it. And if you mm. take one away, it like, it basically goes, oh, this is Swift 3, even though it says Swift 2.3. Okay. Yeah. So it's a couple of settings. But you've got to migrate everything, and that's where branches come into play. And so I, I mean, I had so the third-party Swift library that I use, um, I had it as a CocoaPod. I ended up pulling it out and using it, at like linking to it directly, so that I could. I mean, I know that you can do Git submodules and stuff with CocoaPods. Please. Yeah. Um. You know, we've we've talked about them in the past, but I, I it was a lot easier for me to just pull it out and start Fair using enough. it yeah. alongside of everything else that I use of my own, and um, that meant that I could like migrate those and create a branch and I don't I, I don't even care that like you know eventually I'm sure they'll have a version that I can use and otherwise this works perfectly fine for me so the migrator doesn't didn't catch everything for me did it catch everything for you no. like I I like he caught a bunch of things and then I closed it and then there was still like errors. yeah no it didn't get everything um the first time like I said it got literally nothing yeah so you got to get over that step and then yeah it still didn't get everything um, but that's always been the case and they tell you file a radar if that happens. They want to cover everything. <laughs> file a radar. Did you did you hear that I I actually got a radar marked as a duplicate and I could read the duplicate because it was on open like radar. Because it was open radar. It's never happened to me. That's amazing. Happens so rarely. I actually heard from somebody that, um, you know, part of the reason they don't make that a thing that you can just do is because a lot of the du- fi- radars that are duplicate, like marked as, mm. that radars are du- marked as duplicates of, uh, are like internal radars. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. I still think that they could find a way past that, right? Like, so I file a radar about a thing that happens. Surely other people have filed a radar. And you're all, like, and Apple is all like, oh, if you file a radar, there's a very good chance that even though it's marked as a duplicate, your radar has the thing that like has helped us solve the bug. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it be really useful then if you filed a radar and it got marked as a duplicate and somebody else had the information that actually helped to solve the problem and you could read that because it was by somebody outside of Apple? Or even, so... That sounds great. No denying that. Yep. Probably never going to happen. Sure. Why do they get closed? Like, this has been closed as a duplicate. Because now it's like, well, now I don't know when it's fixed. Well, you can see the status, theoretically. Yeah, you can. But it goes, like, into the closed list where your solved ones also go, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, why doesn't it stay? Well, it should stay in the open. Why doesn't it get marked as a duplicate? But why isn't there a spot to where I can keep up with at least? Duplicates. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All 537. Um, yeah. I, like that. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I mean, to be fair, the, you'd probably just remove the closed or rename the closed folder because that's where they all are anyway. Mm. Um, that's all that's in there. Uh, I have had success before. I will, uh, I will throw that out. Uh, I see, it's a very I've, low percentage, but it I've has happened. Had success. Where I've had, you know, back and forth. And then please back and forth. But then I get the please try again in but it like seems it's not the the template one. It's like, all right, we think we fixed this. Can you try again and let us know? Yeah, okay. I've never I don't think I've ever had that. I'd have to go through my radars to be to verify, but I don't I don't recall that ever happening. One time I also had a suggested workaround. I was like, Wow, cool. So they replied saying, Verified, here's a workaround. 
Yeah. I've never had that. So, yeah, I just want to, you know, stay positive. So, yeah, the migrator won't work for everything. And so you'll have to, you'll have to, um, you know, migrate some of your code by hand. For me, that was mostly adding, uh, I mean, you said you added a lot of underscores. Yeah. I added a lot. I added a bunch of like uh, exclamation points. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Chill. Um, so I went, I went through and added a bunch of exclamation points to, because I, like I said before, the NSURL stuff, mostly that was, um, mostly that stuff, has been marked as it can be nil now. Yeah, but you just told me you've run into bugs before where it comes back nil. I do. I have. <laughs> so uh, in situations, so I first of all, I went through to make, I basically went through and added exclamation points to everything so that I could, uh, so that I could verify that uh, I was getting everything. Okay. So for starters, I went through and I added exclamation marks to like, to basically go, yep, um, you know, Hide that error. Hide that error. Hide that error. I just want to get through. through yeah, I've done that. Um, then go back because that's all the migrator did. It was just like, yeah. oh, this can be this can be potentially null, or it can be not. It's it's definitely not nil anymore. So you know, remove or add exclamation points where necessary. Um, and then I went back, and now with the power of like seeing all the changes that I had made in Git uh, in my diff, I could go back and go, okay, that line. And then I could actually analyze and see after I knew that I kind of yeah. found all of the stuff. Swift Lint's good for that. You can have the rule to show exclamation marks. So you would change it from an error to a warning. Like it would go from a build error to a Swift Lint warning. Yep. That's what I use. And so most of them, I like. I was like, oh, well, I mean, technically, I guess that could just be an exclamation mark because the, the reasons that a URL might come back nil is because you might have, was it a nil... So if you pass in a nil, so if you're like adding yep. a path extension and you pass in nil, you'll get back a nil. So my rule I with think. exclamation marks, which I find works pretty well, is if it's programmer, and this isn't the best description. So if it's programmer error, like this can never change at runtime. Yep. This is just you've stuffed up. That's an exclamation mark because you right. want it to crash there so you can see, oh, I messed that up. So yeah. a great example of that is um, hard-coded URLs. So if you do NSURL with string, that's optional. But if you mistype that string, like this is just a hard-coded string, then you've just stuffed up. Like yep. it's either going to be correct because you've programmed it correctly or it's going to be nil because you've messed up. So see, that's an exclamation mark. Even those, like I went through and I removed all of the exclamation marks that I put in. Mm. Um, every every single one. And the ones where I knew it was going to be not an exclamation mark, I literally put a fatal error in of my own writing. Yeah, so, so I, could I write see a description. that. Um, I've done that. I kind of used to do that, and now I've just decided that's effectively what an exclamation mark is. But yeah, yes, but, but you're right. Put, you get a better message. I, I can put a different I totally message get there, it. Which is nice. And I mean, I'm right. I'm used to writing Objective C anyway, so I can like I'm I'm used to writing like seventy lines of code where where one will do. <laughs> <laughs> Omit needless words. Uh, yeah. One of the other things that I ran into was Dispatch Queue Serial. I haven't seen that one yet. So I ran into a problem with Dispatch Queue Serial, where in one specific instance, and it probably is a bug. I don't think I filed a radar for it. Probably should file a radar for it. In one specific instance, it would uh, it would throw a warning, like a, sorry, it would throw an error mm -hmm. for no reason, like, like a runtime error, like a, like a build error. Oh, okay, right. It was in a situation where you have a lazy okay. internal variable. Yep. That is like where, and, and you're creating a queue. 
Yeah. And uh, you pass that in as a parameter, I would get a, a like a warn a, an error to say that it would never come back as like you can't it would never come back as nil or something, even though the value of dispatch queue serial is nil. Oh. Okay. Uh, because I, think I get what you mean. Sounds like a bug. Yeah, it sounds like a bug. I just I just replaced it with nil. I just went well, it's nil anyway, so I'll just replace gotcha. it with nil. Yeah, yeah. Because that yeah, because use it you use it when you create a queue. Yeah. With like a label, and then you type the type of queue, whether it's serial or concurrent. Mm-hmm. And concurrent is like value is one or something, but serial is nil. Like it is literally nil. And that's how you create a serial queue. You can like as part of the documentation, I was like, well, if it can be nil, I'll just write nil then. So I replaced it all with nil. It's probably a bug. I should file a radar. Mm. It might have been fixed. Who knows? I don't because all my <laughs> all of mine are nils. Swift dependencies, I like we've mentioned them before. Um, Swift dependencies are a bundle of pain. Um, they are. You got to wait for them basically to be up updated. And if it hasn't been updated, maybe you should do it if they're open source. Yeah, um, and I think it's even more of a bundle of pain if you use CocoaPods. How come? Well, mostly because of the fact that they're not writable. Like, I mean, they—I mean, they—you can, you can, you can. I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're—they're they're marked as like not being able to write to them. So, you, like, if you go through the migrator, then you have to do something to your pods in order to be able to migrate them. Yeah, like right, like you can't just migrate them as as they are. Um, which is part of the reason why I pulled out the one Swift pod that I had and made it a submodule. Because yep. that's how all of my other ones are set. Like all my personal uh, libraries are set up. I just have them in my workspace and link them directly. Like I link them the old school way. Yeah. And I only had one. So I was like, well, I'll just pull it out and put it in here. And it took me like 10 minutes. And I was like, now I can migrate the code to Swift 20.3, put that in a little branch. Everything's good. Done. Fine. Gone. So yeah, I created like for the two that I had, I created a Swift 2.3 branch and just committed my initial kind of migration tweaks to make sure that everything ran. And, um, I mean, potentially I'll monitor these, like I'll, I'll have to monitor these because if they, if they update them and everything's fine, then I'll be able to return them to the pod and, and, you know, just basically use the, the version that's available. Although I think they're migrating directly to three as opposed to 2.3, which is kind of a pain. A lot of them have done both. Yeah. This one hasn't, or at least not at the time that I last looked at their repo. Which yeah. was maybe a couple of weeks ago at this point. Oh, yeah, and you have to set up the signing. So we already talked a little bit about signing, but you have to set up the signing for your app. So you, that's actually yeah, a really Luckily, cool you thing. don't have to do the um, dependencies anymore. Yeah. But you do have to set up this new fandangled automatic that doesn't work signing or manual mode that also doesn't really work signing. So my manual worked. That's good. Maybe so, they fixed it. Because I started using, after we talked about Fastlane, right? I started using Match for Fastlane. Yep. Um, even though my team consists solely of one person, it was kind of cool to be able to be basically put all my stuff into Git and be able to just basically say, yeah, that's where I get. Them yeah. From. And so that, and that's kind of was automatically happening that's and cool. all sort of stuff. So I did, I used that and I basically opened up Xcode, turned on manual and went, that's the right one. That's the right one. And then I was done. Like I was, it worked. That's first awesome. Time. Yeah. I think where it's falling apart is people who belong to a lot of teams. That's my experience. Yeah. I mean, um, I have two, so that's not really a lot. I got like ten. Mm. Um, yeah, like it just seems to get confused with multiple developer certificates. Yeah, who knows why? But anyway, it is better. I think it will be better. Like the idea is good. Of note, and this is kind of important. If you're creating, so you don't have to sign. Um, you don't have to sign like 
dependencies and stuff like that. So if you're creating a framework, especially an open source framework, mm. you could technically market for signing. Um, don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially now that you don't have to, um, because it actually embeds your development team ID and stuff and yeah. name into the into the project file, which you probably don't want. Probably not. So, yeah. Now that now that it's not a, so much of a problem anymore, like that was kind of the biggest issue that I had through migration was like I've got like uh, five different submodules that are all dirty because they've got yeah. one change to their project file. Uh, and then like all my pods in one project file are all like marked with the same developer. I'd, like literally in like 10 lines, it was just repeated the two lines over and over again. Yep. And that kind of made things a pile of mess and no longer the case. But yeah, I mean, migrating hasn't, wasn't, I mean, it technically is probably the hardest migration that we've had for a while. Yeah. Well, the last one was 1.2 to 2. <coughs> that was, and that was rough. And this is, this is fine. Like this has yeah. been fine. Um, I mean, the last one wasn't that bad either. Mm. Sounds scary, but you get through it real fast. Yeah, it was scary when I first opened up Xcode. Like I did it on a, I went from one point two to two on a real project that was big, and it it did, definitely took some time and yeah. took some thought, but it wasn't the end of the world. I got mm. through it within the same day. Mm. All right, well, I think that's it. I I mean that, that that's all I've got. I the, I mean yeah, I would have liked to have talked about SiriKit, but obviously that's going to have to wait for another. We'll do day. a whole episode. On Siri yeah. Kit. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if you'd like to if you'd like to hit us up and uh, talk to us about disasters that you've recovered from or things that you do in your apps to help other, help your users to recover from yeah, disasters. I'd, we'd love to hear about that because that's really interesting. Yeah, definitely, because I sounds like I don't do enough of that. So Well I'm may, maybe maybe I'm just like I'm the weird one in this no, I don't situation. Think so. Um, otherwise, if you've had any kind of issues migrating to iOS 10 or you know Swift 3 or anything like that and you'd like to kind of um, let us know what kind of things you ran into. That'd be cool too. That'd be cool. You can find our email address on our website and show notes. I don't know that there's so many show notes really for this, but there are show notes on the website too, I guess, possibly. And you find the website at mobilecouch.co. Now, if you'd like to talk to us individually, you can do that as well. Ben, he's on Twitter. I mean, not right now, uh, but he's on Twitter. He is Ben Trengrove. That's B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am Jelly bean soup no i might be on twitter when they listen that's, like i'm not true. at this very second but it's when true. they're listening probably on twitter there is a likely there is a like i wonder what the the like the odds are of that i mean these days probably more likely pokemon go <laughs> but uh if it's not that it'll be twitter <laughs> pokemon go you should do a whole episode on pokemon go there's an episode of topical on pokemon go oh man i can't wait it came out on friday oh I'm behind. That's it. Thank you to our patrons uh, who are amazing, continue to be amazing. I uh, thank you to you for listening because you are also amazing. Because I mean, just you listen so well. It's just thank amazing. you. Like it's really hard to sit here sometimes. <laughs> Life is hard. Yeah. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye.